Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Initially, everybody was just looking at me and was like, what is she doing here? Like, she's just like too young to do this. And just by doing things that I was supposed to do and doing them good, after a month or two, everybody shut up. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. This episode is powered by the Swiss Entrepreneurship Program. We are helping enhancing the startup ecosystems in six different countries, four of which are based in the Balkans. And you get to meet really amazing people here. And not just that you share your know-how, you also get to learn a lot from these people here. My name is Nina Nikolic, and I am the Manager of Entrepreneurs in Residence and Ecosystem Facilitator for the Swiss Entrepreneurship Program here in Macedonia. Thank you so much for powering the Women in Tech podcast. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. I am here in Skopje, Macedonia. It's an incredible, incredible, incredible city with a thriving tech community. I'm so excited to celebrate women in tech here. And we have a very special episode. As you know, it's thanks to the Swiss Entrepreneurship Program that we've been able to meet with these extraordinary women in the Balkan region. And I have Nina here with Swiss EP, who is going to be a guest host on today's episode. Hello, Nina. Hi, hi, and thank you for having me. So, Nina, go ahead, and before we get started with our amazing guest, go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself and Swiss EP so they have an idea of who you are. Cool. So I've been part of the startup ecosystem here in Macedonia and in the Balkan region for four and a half years now as a community leader and whatnot. I've been kind of building and leading this uh, this startup ecosystem over here with really good results. So um, with the Swiss Entrepreneurship Program, we work and operate in four Balkan countries. Here in Macedonia, I'm kind of leading the whole program. I work with different partners. We're helping young entrepreneurs and especially focusing on women in tech. So here we have a really special guest, and I'm really excited for the how, how the whole day, which is set up full with interviews, how it all turned out. And who is our guest today? Our special first guest for today is Tatiana from South Central Ventures, and she will tell you what they're doing here in the Balkans. Hello, Tatiana! Did I tell you I have energy or what? Yeah, you did, you did. So, yeah, hi, and uh, really great to be your guest today. And so, Tatiana, go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I'm one of, actually, unfortunately, very few female investors in this region, and I guess also around the world there aren't too many. 
So I'm uh, leading the office here in Skopje, and South Central Ventures is actually a venture capital fund seeking, you know, inspiring tech entrepreneurs, um, seeking interesting stories around the Balkans. And we are really excited to have this number of companies that we're seeing that we can actually support with what we do. So your fund, how, how large is your fund and what kind of startup do you focus on? Yeah, so we have just over 40 million euros to invest in early stage companies. We have a small seed allocation, which is like for really, really early stage. Otherwise, we are looking for like, we're not really specializing in any particular industry or sector, but we tend to look for companies that are active in any kind of IT related stuff, which is applied in a number of different uh, verticals. And how long have you been an investor? Well, I started back in 2007 a bit, but then we actually had our first fund uh, in Slovenia in 2008. Um, this is the fund that we're currently divesting, and we started this second fund with South Central Ventures in uh, 2015. We've been investing for like three years. And which one of your portfolio companies um, have you should we check out? Like, which one is, has had remarkable success to define how well, South, South, uh, South Central Ventures has made an impact? So I would say, like, we haven't had like unicorns so far. Hopefully, we'll yet, one day. Yet. But uh, yeah, yet. Um, but I think like there are two companies that really stand out, in my opinion, here in that are. Uh, Partially Macedonian, so they are Macedonian UK companies, both of them. One of them is uh, Cognizum, and the other one is called Implayer. Uh, Cognizum does like the um, uh, has a tool for uh, lead enrichment and um, like helps actually uh, companies sell better mm -hmm. by you know helping them in creating leads or finding leads um, and enriching them and actually giving them the, um, the entire workflow to work, the, work with these leads. And Implayer is actually providing, like simplified, it's providing a um, monetization solution for digital assets, like any kind of assets, but they specialize in videos. I'm really interested, and I want to ask Tatiana, did, did you ever envision that you're going to be working what you do today, like when you started your career 10, 15 years ago? My career started 20 years ago. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no. Um, so, no, not really. What I do today is, was uh, actually just, um, yeah, I really like what I do, but it was really coincidence that I actually started doing what I do now because, like, I was always very open. I never really had, like, a very, you know, fixed goals or something that I want to achieve and I want to be this and this. And so I just sort of um, let it go with the flow, you know, and... Um, I actually, I was a stewardess for some time when I was a student, then I worked at the university in the research center, then I um, uh, actually, after I finished my degree, I started working in the Ministry of Economy, which was, whoa, like really surprising for me, like a whole new world. Um, and I didn't really like it. <laughs> so after a while I left, I started working for a multinational consultancy company. I did that for, uh, for a few years. And I didn't like that very much either, so then I was thinking on what to do, and then there was, you know, this uh, initiative coming up in Slovenia about, you know, creating a fund for, that would help companies in very early stage. Wasn't, the idea itself at that point wasn't very clear on what we wanted to do, but um, yeah, somehow it crystallized, crystallized into, you know, what we need to do is like have a fund, and then we started raising a fund towards the end of 2007, just closed it just before the crisis hit in 2008. I uh, started investing and, you know, changing the 
ecosystem, as you call it. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think this is, and, and this is something that I really like doing. I enjoy it a lot. So, by far, you have to already recognize that Tatiana is from Slovenia, but operating here in Macedonia. Mm -hmm. So, when you first started working for the fund, mm -hmm. do you have any experience here in Macedonia concretely, or Albania, Kosovo, this? Because Slovenia, yeah, it's part of the Balkans, but let's be clear about it. They have been part of EU before anybody. <laughs> so, they're the ones who are kind of... Yeah, I mean, even but Slovenia at some point was, in, and I was born still in Yugoslavia, so I, I was part of this one country, which of course had very different, um, like the regions within our republics in that country were really different. Um, I mean, there were big differences among them, and um, but I did have some experience. Like when I said I, I worked for the ministry, so when I worked for the ministry, I was here quite a few times, and I was. Um, so I had some friends that worked here for the embassy um, and for some companies because there are quite a few Slovenian companies mm -hmm, also yes. with um, their offices here or with even with their um, like um, manufacturing plants or anything. Um, so I, I knew some people and then when I worked for Delight later on I worked with a girl from Macedonia and she then got back to Macedonia. So I, I had like a personal relationship mm -hmm. with people here but I wasn't really working much with um, with uh, companies or like not much experience with companies themselves directly, um, but in a way it's sort of because I had this personal ties to to this part of the world. I sort of didn't find it too difficult to mm -hmm. to actually get into the scene here. Did you grow up with technology in your house? Hmm, interesting question. Yeah, I guess I would say yes because my dad is um, my dad is uh, electro engineer. So he was, you know, and my uncle, he's also like he was a scientist. So uh, he was a doctor, actually. I mean, doctor of uh, physics and some whatever science. I don't know exactly, but like um, my dad used to do a lot of things, and he was sort of, you know, for for those years he was like a geek sort of thing <laughs> so you know when I don't know CD players came out you know we really had one really early on and you know so, so sort of yeah it was part of my life but um, you know it was very different than it is now so when's the like what was the transition from being curious about technology to becoming a professional in technology like what was that in between how did you get educated to feel secure to start to move forward in that trajectory? So, um, I was, it was like quite a steep learning curve. And because I was not like, I'm, I went to business school, so I'm not like, I would say, I, I don't have any formal education in any of the tech part. But um, what we did initially, even when, uh, when we started investing, was like we tried to involve as many people that we knew had some knowledge in, in various areas where we were investing in and try to get their, you know, opinion and, like, get their insights, uh, learn this, from them. And but then, this is further on, right? This yeah. is once you were already into investing. But what was that transition um, from school or, oh, yeah, um, like, early on in your career? Early on, like, for the very beginning, actually, then it was, like, sort of, I was more, like... Um, getting away from technology because like working for the government is not really like tech oriented stuff but what was a good thing then was that I worked for a minister who was really trying to um, support competitiveness of the companies and introduce like all these 
programs on the government level that were meant to support the um, entrepreneurship, innovation, stuff like that. So I sort of got in contact with a lot of people who were working in like the tech space, like in tech industry, even in, in larger companies, not mainly not uh, startups. But even at that point, we started talking about and discussing it. So it sort of it was quite smooth actually. It wasn't like a, you know some kind of jump, but it's like I just sort of you don't even feel it really. It's just like in your life more and more so um, yeah we started with this then even when we worked like um, when I worked for this uh, as I said in corporate finance we did a lot of uh, stuff on due diligence processes right. and like that so I kind of you know got so it was into like, it it's kind of like and I think this is important for all the listeners to really grasp I know it's something that my mom even told me when I was starting out is every piece of our journey somehow supports our future dream, but we just don't know how. And sometimes, and I don't know if this has happened for you, but I know it happens for me. I remember when I was a waitress and I was um, really frustrated being a waitress and I called my mom and I'm like, oh, I can't stand it. All I am is a waitress. She's like, being a waitress doesn't define you. She's like, you're an entrepreneur. This is just a part of your story like this is how you're building yourself as an entrepreneur you don't have to label and there's nothing wrong with being a waitress but I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I felt being a waitress what time a waste of time for what you want to do or I felt that I was I was being defined by something that and I wanted something else Mm -hmm. and so it wasn't necessarily a waste of time because I had to pay the bills but I just I didn't want to like it would be like if I was, even if I was a um, something random, like a chemist or whatever, like anything that wasn't an entrepreneur. I'm like, no, I don't want to be this. I want to be that. And my mom's like, no, this is only like a step in your journey to support you in being. You are that right now. Yeah. It's just it's it's a process. Um, so I think it's cool. Like in your story, you're like, I did this, and then I did that, and I did this, and this is how all those little pieces complement together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they click. Yeah, yeah, they come together, and it's like um, really. I did like even when I was a stewardess. You know, I had yeah. to learn all the physics about like how planes actually fly, and I need to know about like how planes are made and stuff like that. So. Yeah. You know, it's a part of technology as well. So, <laughs> No, totally. I mean, even in being a waitress, I'd say one of the biggest things I'm fantastic at um, in my company is hospitality. What is being a waitress? It's learning hospitality. Like, we don't see it at the moment. At least I didn't. And customer relations, mm-hmm. for sure. 100%. Like, I graduated college with a creative writing degree. I think it was the smartest business degree I could have ever gotten. Like, you know, I never saw a creative writing degree as anything to do with business. I, I've been a writer my whole life. But in now, have, having been an entrepreneur for a long time, reading emails, contracts, creating a creative story for uh, every marketing campaign... All of my creative writing degree has fueled my business. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, and it's like actually one of the things that I see are really missing in this part of the world. So it's like this ability to do some creative writing and ability to be like a storyteller to yeah. you know present your story, not present facts about your company. Like I think people here are really good in presenting all the facts. Yeah, or even defining their goals, like quantifying them. 
but like making a story out of it, this is something that's quite hard for them. Not sure if you know, but I do that. And I started doing this uh, <laughs> workshops and sessions, especially for young entrepreneurs to help them because people from the tech world, like it or not, they're really good at what they do. But in, when it comes to them showing or presenting or just spreading the story, they let's be honest, they suck a bit at that part and they usually ask uh, for external help. So this is something that I'm trying to teach people here and to, to share my knowledge about storytelling, yeah. which is awesome. It's so, it's so important. And speaking of storytelling, the story of an obstacle that you've successfully overcome. What has been an obstacle professionally you have successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? You're like the obstacle no, that I have to like, overcome every single day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there are small things that you're dealing with every day, of course. It's... Um, like I, I felt sometimes that you know um, this this will not be like one particular obstacle. It's more like a general thing um, because uh, like initially when I started working for the ministry, I came there and I was like tw- I was 24 years old. I just got off university and and I came there and I was like head of the minister's office because the minister knew me from the university and she knew she can trust me and um, and I was good at things that I did and. You know, like initially everybody was just like, you know, looking at me and it's like, what is she doing here? Like, she's just like too young to do this. And so, you know, just by doing things that I was supposed to do and doing them good, I was just like, you know, after a month or two, everybody shut up. So there were no comments coming from this one. Or or then later on, even I saw, because I worked in corporate finance, and this is predominantly male word as well. Yeah. So... um I would be in a meeting with like 11 people and I was the only woman and sometimes yeah. like there was a comment like oh not like I said something and then the guy goes like oh, not only she's pretty she's also smart and I'm like and he said that out aloud and I was like really I thought about just you know, just like slapping his face because I was like wow so these were like comments and, and it's just like you just learn to overhear them yeah. and just do what you're supposed to do. And, you know, it's like, it's been quite easy. And I didn't have a lot of that, to be honest. And I but don't I think, <laughs> and I think it's important to note, I don't, I mean, obviously I don't know this person, but I also, I believe that it wasn't with ill intent. Like we, no. we're in a society where we only know what we know. We've been raised how we've been raised. And we speak from whatever that history is. And so it's not necessarily that that person was trying to be negative. They were probably trying to compliment you. Yeah, it was yeah. sort of this kind of thing. But it's still, it was like, it was insulting for me at that point, yeah. right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I do think that it wasn't really meant as a, yeah. as a you know, like with the ill intent, really. But uh, it's actually it a question I was going to ask earlier, and this is a perfect kind of segue from that. I was going to say something that comes up in a lot of the talks I give. Um, I have these wonderful men that come to the Women in Tech talks, and they ask me, how can we be more supportive of women in tech? What can we do? Uh, what would you recommend that guys can do? Because I know this Women in Tech podcast and all the other Women in Tech work I do is to be inclusive and is to bring it together. The one thing that I particularly don't like is creating segregation. I want to create mm-hmm. inclusive, inclusivity. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Inclusiveness. Yeah. So, inclusivity. Yeah. So, what, what would you recommend to all the guys listening right now like how can they be you know wait before I even before you even answer I heard the coolest thing last night Nina I don't know if you know this so another um, so as, as you guys know 
I'm part of the Swiss EP program, the Swiss Entrepreneurship Program. We're called um, Entrepreneurs in Residence, EIRs. Another fellow ER, EIR here named Neil. Um, last night he was telling me he turns down every panel that doesn't have a woman on the panel. And he's like, and a lot of my peers, male peers, have been doing this. Um, to, And he's like, it's not like we're feminists, but... We think it's important that women are on the panels, too. And I think that that was an interesting stance. Um, Nina, have you heard of any? Uh, if I can say that here the situation, I mean, like in general in the world, is more or less the same. The women in leadership position, there is a lack. And especially when it comes to conferences and events, there are not many women in tech who are represented on panels or as speakers and stuff like that. Two things that I just now remember that... Um, I don't know why people trying to put it as like, ah, you're a feminist, that's why you're doing this, that's why you're saying this. There was this one startup uh, back in when I started working in the ecosystem. There were 10 guys. They're super, like, they're super great. What they do, the technology that they develop, it's great. But they were guys only. And I was like, guys, you need to get a girl at least for like, you need marketing or somebody. Like, even a tech girl now, they have a couple of girls in their, their team since then. Secondly, is the conference you'll be speaking uh, at tomorrow, All Web Conference. Last year, up until the last point, they didn't have any woman as a speaker for the event. And I, I was spoke there three years ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they usually have, but last year they started announcing the speakers and I don't see any woman. And I'm asking, I'm calling the organizer, Darko, because I know him, and I'm like, what are you actually doing? Why don't, is, there is there's no such thing that there are no women that can fit the concept of this year's conference. And then one AER of ours that was here from UK last year, Amy, I think, I'm not sure, I don't want to be mistaken, but I think she was the only woman speaking last year. This year, I think there are two or three. And, and I want, I want um, you to answer this too, and then I actually have a response to this that I find really empowering. But before I share my thoughts, go ahead and, and what do you, what are your thoughts? So this is about, uh, you know, having women in panels or, or conferences. This was one of the things. Or know uh, how guys can also. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just wanted to say that yeah. in, in early October, I was in Berlin. We had a meeting, like a summit um, called um, uh, European Women in uh, VC. So not in tech, but in VC where we are also underrepresented. But this was one of the things that we said on, like when we discussed on, it was predominantly women, but we had a few male guests as well. So, um, but this was one of the things that um, that was sort of uh, recommended or, or mentioned as one of the potential things that you can do, actually just not participate in panels where you don't have any women. Um, in, and otherwise, I think like generally what I would say just, don't think women are any different than men in the sense of, you know, like, just as able to do most of the tasks that, you know, men do, most of the things that men do. Maybe we do it in a different way, but still, I mean, it's like, so the, what you can really do, just treat us as equal. Now, you know, like, don't... And, and then there's, like, this interesting... We had, with one of the companies we were investing in, um, we had a conversation about, you know, the need for diversity in the team. So it was just not just uh, genders, not just men and women, also, like, you know, other, um, let's say, underrepresented groups that need to be included. And it's really good to have this in workforce so that you don't just have, like, I don't know, white male that are between 25 and 35 and... So, and then we were talking about how to actually structure job ads in the way that I, they actually attract women as much as they do men. 
so that we would also always have like a you know, uh, sufficient number of candidates uh, that were, let's say, in the final stage of being selected for a certain position, so that we would always also have women. And, um, and then the guy goes like, uh, the CEO, right? He goes like, so... But you know, like we're a small team and I need the person that I hire, I need this person to be compatible with the rest of the team. And usually, you know, when you're interviewing people and then, you know, if it's a guy, you just say, oh, so do you want to grab a beer or something? And then, you know, you go out with them. And like he said, like, I don't feel comfortable saying that to a woman. And I don't have to, you know, like it would maybe be inappropriate or ask her out for dinner or something. That yeah, would yeah, be even yeah. more inappropriate. I said, okay, but if you invite a girl for coffee in the middle of the day or like just for lunch or something this is like not inappropriate i think i mean i don't think it would be considered inappropriate but this is like the kind of thing that you do is just like not be too focused on the fact that another person is a woman and not a man yeah and i but i think that's a great suggestion i think it's about um you know letting guys know asking a a woman for coffee in the middle of the day so uh, you know sometimes we just don't know what we don't know the one thing i'd like to share that i find is really empowering because i like I like us as people to take responsibility for our own opportunities. That's what, you know, this Women in Tech podcast is about. It's how I built myself as an entrepreneur. And I think that a lot of us, let's say male and female, I think a lot of us don't put ourselves out there because we don't believe that we're good enough. We don't believe that... um, the panel wants us, we feel like, oh, I don't know who the organizer is, or oh, it might be too late, or whatever. I really want to take a moment for everybody listening right now to ask yourself, what can I do? And put aside any thoughts of limitation, put aside any thoughts of uh, fear, put aside any thoughts of like rejection. Who cares if you get rejected? My mom says every no is one step closer to a yes. And that includes like I've met entrepreneurs that have gotten rejected from like, and I'm not exaggerating, like at minimum 100 venture capitalists before they raise money. I mean, you've heard stories like this, right? Yeah, of course, even for the very famous companies like Mm -hmm. now, so they... Yeah, so it's not about... Oh, they'll be tell me no. Fine. If someone tells you no, go to the next one. It, it's about putting ourselves out there. And I think just as much as like conference organizers aren't finding us, it's just as much our responsibility to let people know that we exist. The other thing, I love my mom's quotes. The other one she says is half of the world is searching for the other half of wor- the world. They just don't know how to find one another. Mm-hmm. So what if... What if people, like, how about people right now who are really, 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 really passionate about women in tech but don't know the Women in Tech podcast exists? Either they don't listen to podcasts or they just haven't found it. It means I need to do more work so that they could find me. It's nothing personal. It's not that they don't want to listen to me. It's not that the conference organizer doesn't want you to speak. They just don't know you exist. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's, it's actually, I had a lot of, you know, like people asking me, so is there anybody else you can recommend or do you know who might be appropriate? Like, so, so people actually are looking for yeah. you know, women to participate. So I, I'd like us to like, you know, leave this portion of the conversation with asking yourself, what can I do how can I show up in this world so that the conference organizers, so that the investors, so that the potential co-founders, so that the potential talent know that I exist? Instead of just thinking, oh, they don't want me, or I'm not good enough, or they haven't reached out to me. It's not about someone reaching out to you. It's about you letting them. who know you exist. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, so, but, yes. 
And remember, if you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. This completely. <laughs> this is my motto. Yeah. yeah. Complete. I love that you said that. Um, so where can people find you online? We are at www.sc-ventures.com. This is our webpage. Um, and how about you? Myself, I'm on, on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Email. Email is Tatiana, so T-A-T-J-A-N-A at sc-ventures.com. Um, yeah. I don't really, I have a Twitter account. I don't really use no, it. okay. So, yeah. So, everybody can look you up on LinkedIn, and yeah. we'll include Tatiana in the show notes. We'll also include her portfolio companies. Two last questions I like to ask. One, have you been on a podcast before? No. Ah, it's your first podcast. Do you know, like, I, I think over, and I'm being conservative, over 95% of the women on the show have not been on a podcast before? Yeah, so you're like a pioneer. It, it's crazy. <laughs> it's so exciting. Last question. Uh, what is your favorite app or tech tool or, or website? I like Zoom a lot because it's, uh, it's really a good communication. And what is Zoom for those oh, that for don't those know? Who don't know. So Zoom is actually um, a platform, like a tool where you can communicate. I mean, it's like uh, you can share videos, you can share files, you can see each other, you can do conference calls. Um, like upgraded a, Skype. Upgraded Skype and better version of yeah. Skype for me personally. <laughs> I'm sad to say that. I was a huge fan of Skype, but yeah. Cool. <laughs> and uh, actually, one last bonus question. I'd like Nina to have the last question. So if you had one last question, what would you ask Tatiana? Okay. So I would ask Tatiana about after being three years here working in, in the Balkan region, where do you see Macedonia? Like out of all the countries in the terms of the tech, the, the startup ecosystem, the brain drain that we have? Actually, Macedonia has a great, like, surprisingly high number, I think, of great professionals um, in various, even, like, I think in creative industries as well. But in tech, in particular, very good programmers, uh, good developers, um, various parts, various um, um, speci specialization. So, but... Um, um, and in terms of like if you compare it to other countries around the, uh, in the region, I would say, for example, what we get is like more mature companies coming from, let's say, Croatia and Serbia, which are, one, they are larger, two, they are probably more developed countries in general, mm -hmm. um, especially like Croatia compared to Macedonia. Um, then you see a lot of stuff happening in Bulgaria, but where I would say Macedonia is like really... Um, I would say probably among the leading ones is like just the, this vibe and like the whole activity in the in the in the country actually because I think that you know compared to others that there's on such small in such a small population actually it's like really exciting to see all this happening and like many people showing up for events and stuff and people really wanting to do something. So I said there are a lot of great professionals there and so many great companies just because there are certain skills and certain maybe even mindset that's that's still not quite there um of Which you know working just, on yeah yeah and, and i see that a lot i mean it's like it's changing and there are more and more um people who are really like thinking about how to build a business not just do something you know like uh, creating something just because they can but like creating businesses one thing actually uh, so the event last night what i thought was really cool was there were a lot of women there Yes, this is one of the things actually that Say I'm noticing. Say what the event was last night because I was like, "What?" Like, 
the, literally the event went on so long and this was like past the point where everyone's tired and the whole audience I felt like a huge percentage of women and I was really impressed so tell about the event and just yeah so the, the event yesterday was uh, maybe Nina can explain uh, better Global Entrepreneurship <laughs> Week it's a global event but uh, the chapter was uh, done now in Skopje for, for this uh, specific event it was led by Startup Macedonia supported by USAID the Swiss EP our program and many other uh, local partners here. And it was to kind of introduce corporate innovation in Macedonia, which we don't kind of have. Um, so yeah, I was also surprised to see a lot of women and they were all coming from the public sector, uh, from the, sorry, private, private sector. sector. Yeah. No, but actually in general, even comparing to, I would say other countries, I do see this in Macedonia a lot. Also, like I would say that probably the percentage of women that I see like in the tech community even is, is much higher than in most of the other countries. And um, I see that also like in the companies that we invested in, mm-hmm. the teams are very mixed and like because both CEOs are uh, from UK and they're both really satisfied with the girls they found here. And they what they are doing, like they, they were really very good hires and managing the their respective roles like a really, really very good way and I would say that probably the you know the they have much higher percentage of women in general in the team than would be the average I'd say so awesome thank you so much for hanging out with the women in tech podcast this has been incredible I really appreciate you making the time if you want to connect with more extraordinary women in tech around the world remember you can go to womenintechvip.com womenintechvip.com takes you straight to the Facebook group that's womenintechvip.com remember to say hello on social at women in tech show on Twitter on Instagram on Facebook I will talk to you guys see you guys hear you guys in the next episode bye I'm Tatiana Zabosumikish. I'm coming from South Central Ventures, a VC fund investing in very, very ambitious and promising companies in the Balkans region. We're based in Skopje, Macedonia, and you're listening to Women in Tech. It would not be possible to celebrate all these women in tech who have been extraordinary here in the Balkan region without the Swiss Entrepreneurship Program. And I'd like to welcome Nina to talk a little bit about what Swiss EP is. Thank you so much for powering the Women in Tech podcast. We are helping enhancing the startup ecosystems in six different countries, four of which are based in the Balkans. We are working in emerging markets and supporting young entrepreneurs, but also the supporting organizations like Incubator Accelerator. We started a program called Entrepreneurs in Residence, which means that experts can come and work with our startup founders here and startup teams and supporting organizations. We cover accommodation and travel expenses. And you get to meet really amazing people here. And not just that you share your know-how, you also get to learn a lot from these people here. My name is Nina Nikolic, and I am the manager of Entrepreneurs in Residence and ecosystem facilitator for the Swiss Entrepreneurship Program here in Macedonia. To find out more about the Swiss Entrepreneurship Program, go to entrepreneur-in-residence.net. That's entrepreneur-in-residence.net. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.